Well, good morning, good morning. Happy Thanksgiving to everyone. Everyone having a good weekend so far? Man, it's been beautiful weather. Well, we're going to be in uh, Colossians, so if you have your Bible, you can turn there. And as we've been studying the book of Colossians, what we've been really focusing on is as Paul writes this letter to the church in Colossae, one of the things that he's doing is there's this theme of thanksgiving throughout, praising God for who He is, praising God for His characteristics, praising God for His works. And, and Paul's major implication is as we look to God and as we give thanks for who He is and what He has done, it should be transforming us. It should be changing us. That's why I've called this series Thanksgiving, which leads to thanks living. And so we're going to be in Colossians chapter 1, and we're going to finish off chapter 1 this morning, starting in verse 24. And so, what we're going to be looking at this morning is Paul uses a lot of language about mystery. He talks about the mystery of the gospel and the mystery that has been fulfilled and shown in Christ. And is there any uh, mystery genre lovers out there? Anyone? Whether it's novels or movies or anything? Um, I love mysteries. And one of the reasons I, I think we're attached to mysteries is because mysteries sets this genre in our culture where we're in a process of discovering who someone truly is, right? When we watch those sort of murder mystery movies and there's all this wondering, well, who's the true murderer? This person seems so good, but are they actually evil? And at the final end of the movie, you figure it out. And does anyone just have their mind blown at times? Yeah. I think I've watched too many mysteries to the point where I can already figure out the end of the movie in the first five minutes. And so it's sort of ruined for me now. But... There's been this, this beautiful new series, uh, Power of the Rings. Anyone Tolkien fans out there? The Power of the Rings, right? And uh, this last episode I watched, and it absolutely blew my mind. It was crazy fascinating. But there's these characters called the Harfoots, and they're sort of like dwarfs. They're these small creatures that are nomadic, and they're traveling around, and they sort of hide, and they keep the peace from everyone else as chaos in the world is going around them. And there was these new beings that the Harfronts were confronted with. And these beings look very intimidating. And as we're watching the show, you, you don't really know who these beings are or what they're doing or if they're good or they're bad. They're sort of this mysterious creature in the show. And, and what was fascinating to me, the first interaction that the Harfoots, these little nomadic little dwelling people, very peaceable, they, they have with these creatures, the Harfoot has this massive uh, flame that he puts in front of the, these creatures to see if they're bad, and he's trying to figure out who they are, if they're here to help them or hurt them. And what ends up happening is this creature in the middle, I think its name is the Dweller, it grabs this ball of flame, it's a very intense scene, it grabs this ball of flame and it sort of blows it across the sky and then all the dwelling places of the Harfoots just lit on fire and everything just gets burnt up. And so automatically you realize these mysterious creatures are what? They are evil and they're bad. And I think that's the, the fascinating thing about mysteries is they, they reveal the true character of someone or something. 
And as we're, we're brought on these journeys of discovering of who people are and what they're about, the mystery becomes undisclosed and the mystery becomes unveiled and we see these beings for who they truly are. And so Paul in this section of Scripture... It's quite interesting because he's going to talk about how the gospel, the story of what God has been doing throughout history, and all the curiosity behind the works and acts of God, that mystery has been unveiled in the person of Jesus Christ. And that Jesus Christ is the full unveiling of who God is and what God is about, and it even reveals who we are as humans as well. And so there's this fascinating mystery that Paul is going to be reading and reflecting on in this passage. And I think this is crucial for us as, as um, followers of Jesus too, or those who are on the path of trying to figure out who Jesus is or who God is even, is we always need some unveiling in our life to figure out what is actually going on with the person of Jesus Christ in our own life. And, and Paul begins to explain in that text here part of the mystery of who Jesus is. And so we're going to walk through this passage together. I'm going to explain some things as we go along. Then we're going to hit on two major thoughts from this passage. And so start with me just first of all with a big idea of what Paul is all about in this section of Scripture before we even jump into it. And what Paul is really going to teach and clarify here. He says, the ministry that I'm about, in other words, the very purpose and calling that Paul has in his life, is he says to preach the mystery of the gospel. In other words, to preach the fullness of who Jesus is, the unveiling of the character of God, because in Jesus, we see the fullness of God. We've talked about that in Hebrews. We actually see that same language here in Colossians, that Jesus reveals, reveals the fullness of God. In other words, you want to know who God is? Where do you look? Jesus, right? And so Paul is preaching the mystery of the gospel in order to accomplish a goal in order to bring maturity to the church. In other words, we look at God, we look at who Jesus is, so that we can be transformed by that knowledge. And so let's walk through this passage together. Colossians 1, verses 24, and we're going to go all the way to 2.5. And so Paul begins, verse 24. He says, Now I rejoice in my what? Who here rejoices in sufferings? <laughs> so already we're like, what is going on here? Something is, is odd of what Paul is talking about. But Paul is saying, I rejoice in my sufferings. And what are some of the sufferings that Paul has been enduring? Imprisonment, right? House arrest in Rome. That's most likely where he wrote this letter from. What are some other sufferings that Paul has experienced for the sake of the gospel? He's been stoned, beaten, shipwrecked, right? Snake bites, right? All these crazy things that Paul is experiencing because he's traveling throughout the world telling people who Jesus is. Now he says, I rejoice in all these things. In other words, all the suffering I'm going through, I rejoice for your sake. In other words, for the sake of the church in Colossae. And he says, in my flesh, I am filling up 
what is lacking in Christ's affliction for the sake of the body that is the church. Now, this is a big statement here. We'll probably talk about this a little bit more later too. But Paul is saying, I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions. Now, when we look to the story of Jesus Christ and His death, burial, and resurrection, we see what Jesus endured for our sake to save us, to love us, to bring freedom, to bring salvation. We realize that when Christ died on the cross, it was once for all. Amen? In other words, there's nothing to add to the gospel story. There's nothing to add of what Christ has done on the cross. He died for our sake and our salvation. End of the story. And so what is Paul talking about here? Why is he saying there's a lacking in Christ's affliction? What Paul is saying is the suffering that Christ endured was for the sake of salvation. But now we as the church, we endure suffering for the sake of that salvation message spreading throughout the world. And he's saying, so the lacking part that Paul is talking about is the spreading of the gospel. In other words, what's the good, what's the good news if no one hears it? That's what Paul talks about in other passages. If there's a bunch of good news out there, but no one hears it about Jesus, does it mean anything? No, people have to hear, people have to know. So Paul says, you know what, I'm suffering and I rejoice in my suffering. Why? Because the gospel is being spread. And he says this even bluntly, 25, of which I became a minister. In other words, of which I became a servant. In other words, this is everything I devoted my life to because God has stewarded it to me. And he says, that was given to me for you to make the Word of God fully known. In other words, my mission, my calling, what I serve my life to is to make sure that God, by His Word, is fully known. Now, here's where he begins the conversation in mystery. Verse 26, he says, the Word of God fully known. Well, what is the Word of God fully known? He says, the mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to His saints. To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which Christ in you, the hope of glory. And so Paul says, here's the mystery. Humans have been trying to figure out who God is and what God is all about through all of history. And yet the problem we have as humans is how could we ever know a God who is holy, who is set apart from us, unless He has revealed Himself to us? And the beauty of who our God is, is we have a God who actually desires relationship, desires to make Himself known. And throughout history, that's what we talk about the story of the Old Testament, is a story about God making Himself known, God revealing Himself. And now what Paul is saying is all the curiosity, all the wondering of who God is and what He's about has been finally climaxed, it's been finally fully revealed in the person of Jesus Christ. That is the mystery which we now as saints, as the people of God, finally come to realize. What a gift that is, amen? What a gift that is that we have a God who not only desires to reveal Himself to us, but a God who comes in Jesus Christ to fully reveal Himself. 
And so I think this is crucial for us as well when I think about this, because if Paul is saying that in Jesus Christ the fullness of God is revealed, and, and Paul as an eyewitness to Jesus and many other eyewitness accounts of Jesus in the New Testament writers, uh, that tells us something about where we find our sources for trusting who Jesus is, right? Which means that when we trust our sources for who Jesus is, where do we go back to? We go back to the apostles. We go back to the New Testament. We go back to the historical accounts defined then. And I bring this up because when we use the language of mystery, there's, there's so many movements, especially in our North American culture, of trying to redefine Jesus, aren't there? I mean, there's major movements like Mormonism, there's major movements like Jehovah's Witnesses, there's major movements like Islam that tries to redefine Jesus and reframe Jesus and give us a flawed understanding of Jesus, and it's under the scheme of the mystery has not yet been fully revealed. And yet, what is Paul saying right here, the eyewitness of Jesus? The mystery of God has been fully revealed in Jesus Christ. Who God is has been told. This is the source to where we find who Jesus is. And this is why he goes on to say, Him we proclaim. In other words, Jesus we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom. In other words, there's warning. In other words, there's false things that are believed about Jesus and things that are true that need to be taught, things that are wise. And here's Paul's goal. Here's Paul's goal of gospel proclamation that we may present everyone what? Everyone mature in Christ. Everyone mature in Christ. We'll talk about that a little bit later. He says, for this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. In other words, God empowers Paul to be a proclaimer of the gospel, to bring maturity to the church. And then Paul goes on to say this in the rest of the, the verses from chapter 1, or chapter 2, verses 1 to 5. He says, for I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you. Isn't that beautiful? Paul has never met this church, by the way. Paul doesn't know these individuals personally, but he knows that the gospel has been planted and he cares about the health and vitality of the church. So he says, I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those at Laodicea and for all those who have not seen me face to face, that their hearts may be encouraged being knit together in love. In other words, Paul is praying for unity in the church and to reach all the riches of full assurance and understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ. And here's the wild thing. I think this is such a powerful little phrase that Paul uses because usually when we watch mysteries, there's some unveiling and sometimes it's like a murder mystery or sometimes it's like a discovered treasure that needs to be found. And here Paul is using this language of a treasure to be found because he says, the knowledge of God's mystery which is in Christ in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Isn't that wild to think about? That all the wisdom and knowledge that we strive for as humans is ultimately revealed in Jesus Christ. Why? 
Because we talked about a few weeks ago, because Jesus is the creator and sustainer of the cosmos. And if Jesus is the creator and the sustainer of the cosmos, he knows how everything should be run and operated, and what is good, what is holy, what is beautiful, what is honoring. And so everything that we're created for as humans is found in knowing Christ and all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge that are in him. In other words, all our seeking for purpose, all our seeking for meaning, all our seeking for value, all our seeking for identity as humans is found in Christ. And Paul says this in verse 4, he says, I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. In other words, don't get distracted by anything else in life because they won't teach you or reveal to you or instruct you the way you desire. He says, For though I am absent in body, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Jesus Christ. Powerful passage, amen? Amen. Now I'm going to start preaching. So I, I want to take two major thoughts from here. I, I mean, there's a lot, a lot to comprehend in this passage, but I want to focus on two major thoughts. And, and the first one I, I want to focus on is something that, that Paul brings up. And he says, the mystery of the gospel isn't just the fullness of God revealed, isn't just the fullness of, of Christ bringing the climax and the story of the cross to what God is about. But Paul says, not only is Christ himself the mystery, but Christ in you is the mystery. He tells that to the church. He says, this is the mystery that Christ is in you. And here's the the beauty of the story is that if God is accomplishing these things, if he's bringing redemption and reconciliation and renewal to all of the cosmos, if this is what God is about as a forgiving uh, God bringing salvation, the mystery is that Christ in us means that we are now part of that story. And that we, as Christ empowers us, become agents of renewal, agents of reconciliation, agents of love, agents of justice, agents of peace, so that the world can be transformed around us. And so then our lives then begin to be revealed in a similar sense as a mystery. In other words, the world can't fully understand what we're about or why we're doing it. And, and here's, here's a key thing that we should realize when, when Christ says the mystery is Christ in you, that means our lives should be so transformed that the culture around us and the world around us looks at the church and looks at us as individuals and begins to ask, why do they do that? Or why do they function like that? Or what is so different about them. Their lives are a complete mystery to me. And they should see those things in the way that we give. They should see it in our generosity to the point where sometimes we as the church can be so generous it seems illogical 
And people ask, why? Why why would you do that? Uh, it, It should come in terms of the ability for us to forgive when people have harmed us or hurt us. And people ask, why could you forgive that person or how did you forgive that person? I remember there was the tragedy of, of another church shooting in the States a number of years ago, and it was a, a young white man who shot up a black church. And there was obviously many deaths, tons of grieving, tons of trauma. And as one of the, the witnesses on the stand, she took time to actually have a statement of forgiveness to the murderer. And I remember all the news outlets in the States were all questioning, how could this happen? How could you forgive someone like this? And the only answer is the mystery of the gospel, amen? Because we have been forgiven so deeply that we can forgive so deeply. And so it shows up in our generosity. It shows up in our forgiveness. Um, for Paul here, Paul brings up that illogical statement of rejoicing in, in, even in his sacrifice, in his suffering. And the question of how, the mystery of our lives is, how could you have so much sacrifice in your life? How can you rejoice in your sufferings and your hardship? Because the mystery of the gospel. And so Paul becomes this, this agent to teach us and to tell us by God's word is that we need to realize that Christ in us means that we become a very mysterious people. <laughs> and I don't, I don't mean mysterious as in the start of the movie when you're figuring out what's these people about, but mysterious at the end of the movie is, wow, this person was not like I expected at all, and look at all the good and beauty that came from them. And so Christ in us is the mystery. Now, Paul gives us another insight that we need to think about. So that's the mystery. The next major theme that Paul begins to talk about is the the purpose of Paul preaching the mystery of the gospel is so that what would happen? Do you remember the beginning, the big idea? So that the church would be matured. So that the church would grow in maturity. And there's a lot that could be said about maturity. There's a lot that could be said of what it means to be a mature person in Christ. Uh, Len in Sunday school this morning actually had a really good reflection on what it means to be a mature follower of Jesus. And the simple answer he gave was just a mature follower of Jesus is someone who trusts Jesus in all aspects of life and allows God to speak to them and to work through them and entrust our care to Him. And so that's a major part of maturity, but something that Paul brings up about maturity here is that maturity is shown in the way that we sacrifice for the sake of others. And the way I describe it, this is sort of my translation, so to say, of Paul, but the best way to grow your relationship to Jesus is by helping others do what? Helping others grow in theirs. And this is probably the definition of Paul's life, amen? And we see Paul as one of the most mature believers in all of history. And what did Paul spend his entire calling and life doing? Serving and loving the church and teaching the church, right? And the best way for us to grow sometimes 
isn't always just sitting down and reading a book. And I'm a book nerd saying that, right? I read way more than I should at times. Because sometimes the best way for us isn't to just sit down and read a book or even sometimes just to sit down and just hear about people teaching and talking all the time. But sometimes the best way that we grow is by actually teaching others to grow. And sometimes the way that we mature is by helping others mature. Because you notice in your life when, when you start teaching something, you realize that you have to know it almost twice as much. <laughs> I really realize that with kids. Because <laughs> to simplify it to the point where they can understand it, I have to know the complexity even more so. And this is why, why we want to be a place, too, of, of the life of the church should be one of discipleship. In other words, one of teaching where we're all growing, not just in our own maturity, but also helping others grow. Because in serving others, we will also grow. And this is really the, the commission that Paul calls the church to have. This is the calling that he places before the church. And this is where even Paul says in chapter 2 that he struggles for the church because he wants to see this come into fruition. And, and this is where I, I see the passage in verse 24 of, of Paul talking about filling up the afflictions of Christ. If we want to be a people who follow that path of filling up the afflictions of Christ, we're not adding any to the gospel. We're not adding anything to the suffering of Christ. But if Christ suffered for our salvation, then we should be suffering to the point and sacrificing to the point that people can know that salvation. Amen, church? I mean, that's really probably the main reason why we exist as the people of God is to make sure that not only do we know God, but people have access to know how good God is. And, and I heard a, someone say it like this, um, Christ's suffering was for the propitiation of sin. Now we as the church, our suffering is for the propagation of the gospel. Not that the gospel is propaganda, but you guys know what I mean by that, right? To be spread, to be told to be filled throughout the world. And so I think as we, we begin to sit and, and contemplate, well, what, what does this passage mean for us as a church? If Paul's desire was that the church would grow in their knowledge of the mystery of the gospel so that people can be matured and the church could be matured, then I think our calling as a local church should be very similar is that as we grow in the mystery of the knowledge of who God is and how He's revealed to Himself, our calling should be to spread that to every person that we know. And take the time to simply make sure that that gift is being spread. And so again, when we think back to the major theme of, of Colossians that we're walking through, if we are thankful, if we live in thanksgiving, for God revealing Himself in Jesus, then the thanks living that we get to experience is making sure that people know about that good news. And so, I don't know what you're doing for Thanksgiving today. I don't know what your plans are this weekend. But my prayer for us is that as we celebrate 
And as we, we talk about what we are thankful for, I pray this would be a time and space, not just in your own families, but even with friends, that as you, in your, as you interact with others, is, is saying, I am thankful for God. And being bold in that declaration of, I am thankful for God. You want to know what you're thankful for this weekend? Let's have that conversation. I am thankful for God, and here's why. And it won't be as awkward outside of Thanksgiving weekend because everyone's supposed to be thankful for things right now too, right? And so instead of having conversations with your friends in the community about random things that you're thankful for, maybe you have a dirt bike or a quad or something, I don't know. But bring that conversation a depth of seriousness and saying, you know what? I am so thankful for who God is and I desperately want you to know what He's about. And so let's pray to that end. Please bow with me. I'll call the team up too. Gracious Father, we have so much to be thankful for in You. We look to You as a God who has revealed Yourself to us. And we have found that You are a good, loving, merciful, forgiving God. And that you are a God who desires to restore and to heal a relationship with us. And so I pray if there's anyone in this room today, if there's anyone watching online that hasn't experienced that restoration with you, Lord, I pray that you create a path for them. I pray that you would open up conversations, even with me or others in this room, about what it means to know and experience your goodness and your salvation. And I pray for us in this room who will know the goodness of who you are and have experienced your love and mercy and grace. And as we live in thanksgiving and as we celebrate the mystery of the gospel being fulfilled and unveiled in Jesus Christ, that it would not stop at mere celebration. Lord, that it would transform our hearts and our minds so that not only we would be transformed, but we would be agents of transformation to others. So that we wouldn't just experience your love and justice and grace and mercy and forgiveness of our own lives, but we'd want to make sure that everyone can experience that as well. Because we know how good you are. We know your love. And Lord, be, be with us to be agents of that love this weekend. And so we come before you in thanksgiving, our gracious God. May you change us, may you transform us, may you mature us by that good news. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Amen.